Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad Good. If this is your first time listening to First Time, which is our first episode, let me explain. Each episode, we pick a topic. A movie, show, book, album, anything the guest has never experienced before, and we talk about it. It's really that simple. Today's guest is a pretty obvious one. Um, She's lived with me for many years. Uh, She knows me better than anybody in the world, and it's my wife, Nikki Good. Welcome, Nikki. Can I can I talk now? Yeah, of course you can oh, talk. Oh, hi. Hi, I'm Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> and we could do a million of these episodes because we've experienced several things together yes. for the first time. Um, you've introduced mm-hmm. several things to me. Yes, I, yes, I have. And um, I've introduced a lot to you, but we're going with something uh, different tonight. Um, we're making our way through a film franchise, and we're going to talk about two films tonight. So you get two for one. Um, our first topic is a 1974 Charles Bronson classic, Death Wish. They murdered his wife. They raped his daughter. But this time, they picked on the wrong guy. Any chance of catching these men? There's a chance, sure. Now he's taking the law into his own hands. Oh. Revenge. I urge him in the name of law and order to desist from this one-man crusade. You could be looking for a man who's had a member, all members of his family, killed by mother. Mr. Kersey, you're under police surveillance. The original that started it all, Charles Bronson. Death Wish. Okay, Death Wish, like I said, came out in 1974. It's directed by Michael Winner, starring Charles Bronson. And it's based on a novel by Brian Garfield. What did you think of Death Wish? Um, what did I overall? What did I think? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, it was kind of uh, it's very similar to a lot of movie like modern movies I've seen re- recently of like a guy seeking revenge himself um, because the police ain't shit and um. And he's a badass, and it kind of watch him turn into a badass, and kind of like street justice. Yeah, so the story is one that we've seen a million times now, but at the time, it was not something you saw in film every day. Uh, can you explain the plot, or do you want me to? Um, I can try. So basically, this guy has a wife, and is she like a teenager, a young adult daughter? And he's an architect. He's an architect, yes. Which is a strange detail because he's, I guess it's a way to sort of make him come off as an everyday guy who's gone mm-hmm. off the rails and had enough. And um, then kind of, I don't I want to, like, for some reason, um, his wife and daughter became, like, targeted by a gang and they um, murder his wife and rape his daughter. Um, and they get away with it and the police don't really do much for him. And so he's starting to, um, I don't know, take it from here. <laughs> well, he's he gets a call at work and it's his, I believe, son-in-law, his yeah. daughter's husband. And... Um, Basically, in the movie, his his they're a pretty well off family, 
and his wife is grocery shopping and these uh, group of thugs or uh, gangsters, I guess you would call them. It was uh, Jeff Goldblum in his first yeah, role, yeah. very young Jeff Goldblum and three other p- sort of punks, street punks. Uh, they overhear the grocer, the uh, bagger or whatever at the grocery store say uh that she's getting her groceries delivered to their house and then they look at the tag see the address and this is before you could just type in your phone so they have to remember it but um they figure out where she lives and sort of follow her back and wait for the opportunity to sneak in because it's like a gated building and they sneak Mm -hmm. in the back way where someone's making a delivery they knock on the door pretend that they're the delivery break in and uh yeah it's a really sort of brutal rape and murder scene uh yeah they didn't have enough cash i think that's what kind of provoked them to um be that that violent yeah they wanted wanted to rob them they didn't have a whole lot to take so they took their innocence and it's a really uncomfortable scene obviously like i said 1974 so a little more grimy it's a grimy new york uh around that time period every every new york movie is very dark and grimy you can sort of feel it and uh yeah it goes on a little longer than i would i mean not that i have any rape scenes i like (laughs) but uh it is graphic and goes on too long and like you said the daughter his daughter is not killed his wife is killed but his daughter survives but uh she probably would have been better off dead because she's <laughs> she's yeah she she turns into a vegetable basically doesn't talk doesn't uh yeah get like it's come into like a psych ward right right yeah and bronson's character uh paul kersey is sort of um i'm not even sure to me in the movie he's almost I mean, he's just not making as big of a deal of it as it should be to me, like his mm-hmm. reaction to it. And I don't know if that was on purpose or just his lack of acting, but um, <laughs> he just sort of is like, you know, oh, my my wife is dead and uh, I can't do a good Charles Bronson. He has such a unique <laughs> yeah. accent. I can't explain it. You, yeah, he holds himself pretty well together after what happened in a sense. And he's sort of a dick to his son-in-law, like almost not quite blaming him, but just sort of takes it out on him as if he could have done something more, should do something more. And, uh, and it's also a weird relationship because he's always calling him dad. So it's a bit confusing. Yeah. I mean, no offense. Like I love Kevin, but I don't call him dad. Yeah. Like I call him Kevin, you know, I, and mm. I, I don't know, a father-in-law, but, um, you know, maybe that just makes it a little more personable. Um, from what I've read online, I've, I have not read the novel, but um, I think they don't even include some of the early stuff. The, the stuff was added to the movie to make uh, the story more, the, the movie more sympathetic. Because I believe in the movie, we sort of see, don't aren't they coming back from vacation at the very yes, beginning? Yes, I don't remember. They from were on Hawaii the, or something. Yeah, they were on the beach. Yeah, and so that all that was added for the movie because... The book, I guess, just kicks off right at the grocery store. They follow her home and rape her. And uh, you don't even really know the relationship. Not that any husband wants his wife to be raped, but uh, they make it a little more sympathetic in the movie. Yeah, like they're happy and then she's gone. So that's sad. <laughs> yeah, and then, like you said, and you know, this happens. He finds out and then he sort of... 
he doesn't immediately go off the deep end, but he gets himself some protection and he goes out trying to seek some information on the people that did this. Mm -hmm. And in the process, of course, he's in New York. He's in the on the subway. He's in uh, he's out taking a walk and he almost looks for situations where yeah and people keep looking at him thinking like that's the guy i want to fuck with for some reason and so he keeps getting himself in like situations where um people are constantly wanting to mug him with like usually by gunpoint and he's like you know he doesn't deal with it he's like fuck you yeah and (laughs) it's sort of weird because maybe it's because my preconceived notions i know who charles bronson is but like I see a guy that looks like him with that pencil-thin mustache and that hair and the tan. Uh, he just looks sort of like a guy that would not fuck with you. Mm-hmm. Like, he would just take you out. And so... Maybe it's, like, almost like a very male ego kind of thing. Like, that guy looks tough. I could probably kick his ass. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, yeah. People sort of have that, like, mentality sometimes that they, you know, want to be the biggest guy in the room, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so he ends up becoming a street vigilante and, you know, it becomes uh, a thing in the news and people are hailing him as a hero, but they obviously don't know who it is, but they're trying to track him down. And yeah, the- he's like, um, the, what you call it, like mugging and stuff has, the, the crime rate has like, it's on the decline. It's because pretty much there's a Batman on the loose, you know, take, you know, doing justice his own way. Yeah, and, and I mean, we've seen this a million times. I mean, even recently as the Joker, but at the time it wasn't an everyday thing. You know, this wasn't a cliche in movies. So, um, you know, at the time also Charles Bronson wasn't sort of the, the guy he became. And in the movie, you know, he, he goes on and he's, like you said, he's taken out the bad guys. And you sort of, the first couple times, he doesn't really know how to do it. He almost does it on accident. And uh, not really on accident, but he isn't out to necessarily kill someone. He's out to find some bad seeds. And then he sort of, it's like he gets a taste for blood. And then he's mm-hmm. hes almost going out, looking, waiting for somebody to come after Wasn't him. Wasn't it like his first kill? He kind of went back to his place and he got like physically sick over it. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's like his first very violent act. And then it's just like, you know, get the first one out of the way. And then the next is like smooth sailing, like bang, bang, bang. No, anyone looks at him wrong. <laughs> and they're going to be sorry. And the police are after after him and they are getting, uh, narrowing it down really quick. I mean, it's almost convenient. And I guess you only have an hour and a half movie, but they narrow it down pretty quickly. They're like, we think it's a guy who's recently suffered a loss and of course, in the movie, they're like, oh, that could be a million people in New York. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has lost somebody, but uh, they they get down on him pretty quick and they think they have an idea. And you've watched it just today, so you probably yeah, remember. Yeah, I had to refresh on it. You probably remember how it ends better than I do. Um, it ends with, like, the cops, like, a cop figured out it was him and he pretty much, um, he covers, covers up his crimes, because he sees him as, you know, he what he's doing is illegal, but he's, you know, he's helping society in, you know, New York, and he's taking out all these bad guys. So he pretty much is like, oh, sorry, not him. That's the wrong guy. Wink, wink. 
you know, and lets him get away with it because, you know, he's... He's helping the crime, yeah, right? Yeah, he's, he's Batman. Yeah, he's killing the bad guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's something I think I saw probably in high school on one of the cable channels late night, probably on like USA's Up All Night or something. And I've had a penchant for the series ever since. Just something about the 70s, the grime, and has a cute little young Jeff Goldblum. He's so cute. Right up until he rapes a woman. But, uh, um, yeah. But what's he wear? Like a beret? It's not a beret. It's like, um, oh God, what is it? Uh, like the, the thing about the comic book series with the, the crown um, hat. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not sure what. Archie kind of. Okay. Like not not Archie wears it, but like uh, I can't think of his name. But yeah. And when I when I read also that the Brian Garfield who wrote the no- novel was not a fan of the movie adaptation because he felt like they glorified the um, vigilante aspect of it. I guess in the book he does not really go out and get pleasure from killing these guys and doesn't go out looking for them. I don't know. It's, he sounded like he was not he was unhappy with the way they made it out to be like a positive thing. Um, but Charles Bronson starring in this one, he was 52 years old when mm-hmm. he was in this movie. And, you know, they, they remade it, and we'll probably talk about that one because I'm going to get you to watch that one. Yes. I think we... Did you see that one in theaters with me? I don't remember. It has Bruce Willis. Yeah, but I don't think i've seen it i know i saw it in theaters with blake i just didn't know if you joined me Hmm. but um very first role for jeff goldblum and i was reading on imdb trivia that um they cast him because he came off very loose and sort of wiry and could be uh, (laughs) a convincing sort of uh thug and gangster type character always been a favorite actor of mine and i flashed as they say on something a gang violates a woman in the very opening scenes of a film, yes. don't they? And you're one of them. Yes. Why can't I think of the name of it? Um, uh, Death Wish. In Death Wish, yeah. yeah. Charles Bronson's wife or daughter? Both. That's right. His yeah. wife and his da- Hope Lang. Well, that was a shocking scene in the true sense of it, the word. It was at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Brutal. It was the first movie I ever did. I wonder if it was hard on the actors what the atmosphere on the set is when you're doing something like that. I had nothing to compare it to. It was the first movie I ever did. It was in 1973. I was thrilled to be doing it and uh, had uh, knew that it required plenty of rage and uh, delinquent, uh, mm-hmm. uh, delinquent uh, stuff, and uh, just uh, in, enjoyed it and enjoyed it. And I, you know, I tried to, I think, tried to make the crew feel like, hey, where'd they get this? Is this one a real guy? Is this a because I was not a you know street fellow, I was born. My dad was a doctor in Pittsburgh and stuff. So, but I kind of relished this chance to. Is he is he the real guy? So I uh-huh. didn't bathe and things, you know. And, and that that I think they thought I was the real guy. Hmm? These guys seemed real, and you particularly mm-hmm. gave me the creeps. And uh, thank you. I don't know if I ever you. see you again in dark alley. They originally Dino um, De Laurentiis was the one of the producers and he's infamous for a lot of sort of cult films and uh 70 stuff and him and paramount originally wanted to call the film the sidewalk vigilante because they thought a movie with death in the title would put audiences off which is interesting just because the novel is called death wish and 
to me, that's what sells a movie yeah. now. But sounds um, badass. And the role of Paul Kiersey was not originally written or intended for Charles Bronson. It was originally intended for Steve McQueen, who turned it down. And then after Dirty Harry was a big success in 1971, Clint Eastwood was offered the role, uh, but he declined because he didn't think that it was a role that was good for him. Like, not necessarily that he wouldn't do a good job, it just wasn't a character that fit his acting style. Um, so, But he suggested Gregory Peck, and obviously that didn't happen. But uh, Burt Lancaster, George C. Scott, and Frank Sinatra allegedly were also offered the role, but back down too. Uh, so I guess Bronson wasn't even in like the top ten. I was going to say, like, how many, how many people were turned it down before they got to him yeah and these are all yeah yeah. these are all things i'm pulling off of imdb trivia so take them for what that's worth it could be complete horseshit or it could be (laughs) real but uh can you imagine frank sinatra as as interesting uh i I mean you could picture clint eastwood but Mm -hmm. he's sort of already done that role i mean now he like gran torino is really like him doing that but more more racist uh (laughs) And yeah, I mean, it, it has that grimy thing and it's interesting just because um, it not to spoil future uh, movies for you or anything, but you, you've seen the second one and it sort of it, it uh, is a lot like the Rambo and the Rocky series, as in the first one's a very good, serious drama. And then the sequels get more and more ridiculous, yeah. like the first Rocky is not a boxing movie or an action movie, and neither is the first Rambo. They're both about sort of tortured souls and a character. Yeah, the first one has a lot of character development. So, this I know we're not on the second movie yet, but the second one, you know, doesn't need that. (laughs) Yeah, and as... And as we're recording this, you haven't seen the third one yet, and I'm... Mm -hmm. There's a reason I am doing this in part one and two and then we'll do three and four then Mm -hmm. five in the remake uh because even the difference between one and two is a little stark but two and three is a huge jump so okay um yeah i mean i i really enjoy this movie i at one point it was probably a guilty pleasure of mine now i just embrace it uh it turns charles bronson into a star it sort of had the uh same effect that Taken had on Liam, uh, is it Liam Neeson? Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, he, made, that made me think of him. Well, yeah. I mean, he was a serious actor. He did Schindler's List, and he, he did a lot of great movies. And then he got Taken, and then he was, every year we had a new action movie with him that was sort of the similar, where he was the old badass that fought a bunch of uh, youngsters or a pack of wolves or whatever. Yeah, in every movie you have to up the last one, so yeah, it's kind of a same thing. Like, it gets crazier and crazier. Yeah, but you know, it's it's something that I revisit. It's if it's one of those it's one of those movies that they'll play on stars all the time. It's like two a.m. and on a Saturday, and I've just finished a movie I turn over and Death Wishes on. I'm always gonna stop and watch it. Uh, something about Charles Bronson as a lead is so strange, but so perfect. And like I said, it he ended up doing like tons of knockoff movies off this. They made a bunch of movies with death in the title. It was like 
I don't remember, uh, death wave, death, you know, whatever. It was like, uh, it became a cliche, but it, he had a resurgence in his career when he was, I mean, he filmed this when he was 52 and, uh, a lot of actors are on the downturn at that point in their career. So he had a huge resurgence and, uh, this sort of brought him back into the limelight. It was a huge hit. I saw that, uh, the theaters actually bumped the ticket prices from like four fifty to $5 or something because of the movie was movies popularity. Hmm. And, uh, at the time that was a big deal. Cause I think only two other movies had ever had a price increase on tickets due to the popularity. So this was a big deal when it was released. But on a rating of like one to five death wishes, uh, one to five, I'll give it a four. Does you have to keep in mind, like, like yeah, you've seen this story many times before, but this, like you said, this is like the first time they kind of did it, so it's uh. It's hard to watch it now and not compare it to which similar movies, you know, you've already seen. Yeah, like you said, it's become a trope now. Yeah. So, you know, considering the time that was made, I think I'll give it a four. And I always thought it was interesting, too, that they made him an architect. I'm not really sure what the angle was on that. Like, yeah. he, like, like I said, maybe it's just being like, he's an everyday guy just like you, but I don't know. An architect know. can't I don't, murder I don't know any. Thugs. I don't know any architects <laughs> myself, uh, but, you know, he would go into work and it was like, he'd be in the office with a bunch of these old white dudes with ties and he's standing there and he's, I don't even know what nationality yeah. he is, but he's, he's pretty badass. He's a businessman by day and a, like a, like I said, a Batman at night. Yeah. So maybe that's what they're just trying to, you know, trying to be like, he, he's a educated, smart guy. Like he wouldn't. Yeah. He has a lot. This is to, he, he above a, him. He has a lot to lose and he's, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, smart and educated and he's still doing this. So I don't yes. know. Hmm. But yeah, uh, that's death wish one. And, uh, our next topic i guess even though this is one topic we're just gonna go into death wish 2 they did it before they're doing it again and they'll keep right on doing it unless someone stops them when murder and rape invade your home when the cops can't stop it bronson will his way charles bronson in death wish 2 so death wish 2 was released in 1982 which is eight years after the first one a long gap for a sequel yeah and of course there were sequels at the time there were franchises it wasn't i mean 82 that's that's a whole different uh ballpark eight years later film has changed quite a bit um everything sort of changed so i'm I'm not really sure why it took eight years if the first one was a huge success maybe bronson got you know really big and famous and then he a lot mm-hmm. of actors will do that then it's like well you know his career's gotten in a slump we need a surefire hit let's do part two yeah but of course in the 70s also and I, like i said this early 80s so i guess it's not that unheard of but it wasn't until the mid 80s when franchises had a sequel every single year like friday the 13th would release a new one and nightmare on elm street every single year um and yeah, eight years later in 82, so he would have been, what, like, 
he was how old? Fifty two, so he would have been sixty or fifty I read he was fifty nine when they filmed this, sixty when it was released. And still kicking ass. Yeah, still kicking ass. He looks about the same, but you already if you've seen if you know him, you know he's become this action star at this point, so uh the second movie is kicks right off. You already know the characters, you know what's happening, but he's in LA now, I think, right? I think Maybe. that's the idea. He's in LA now because I think every other movie goes from New York to LA, New York to LA. He switches back and forth because his daughter is in a still in an institution in this one. She's not speaking. She's yeah in like a is it is there like nuns or something? She's in like a boarding house or some kind, and they're they're trying to yeah. get her to speak and they're working on her. They're working on her, but not she still doesn't speak. But they get her out of the house. So maybe she does speak, but they get her out of the house to she, go. I, I don't think she spoke, but. Yeah. But they, she shows improvement. She smiles and can walk and... And he has a girlfriend, too. Yeah. In this one, so... A brand new lady and um, a guy... They're out... Where is, like, a, some... F- not a fair, but... Like a street market type a street, thing. Yeah, street market. And um, he gets... Someone mugs him? They threaten to, yeah. Yeah. They, they do. They, oh, yeah, they take out his wallet. wallet. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I forgot the end of one. There's like a moment where he's at the airport and there's some thugs like messing with a woman and it sort of like does that f- classic mm-hmm. like freeze frame thing. They're like, you know, he uh, is he going to fuck him up or not? But this one, yeah, kicks off. It's sort of like, you know, things are better. His daughter's out shopping with him and his new girlfriend he's got a pretty lady yeah and okay so um some random thug decides to steal his wallet and um this gang runs off and they get his address from his id and doesn't he end up like kicking someone's ass like pretty good yeah yeah and so they kind of want revenge he, he chases him down and cor- yeah, corners yeah. one of the guys and mm-hmm. uh, in a in an alley and ends up whooping his ass, but lets him go. And of course, now he wants revenge, so the tables have sort of turned. Yeah, so they get his address from his ID in his wallet, and the gang shows up at his house or apartment, and the housekeeper's there, and they tr- trick her into opening the door, and uh, they brutally rape and murder her. I think she's still alive at the time he comes home and finds her, but then she ends up dying. Mm. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, so he has a girlfriend in this one, a new girl that is sort of like a independent working lady, and they're in a point in a relationship where she's not moved into the place, but she stays over. She has her own place. And uh, throughout the movie, he gets more and more distant from her, and she's sort of concerned because he's he gets a second place, like a grimy apartment in the heart of gross downtown L.A., the like the bad part of town. So he can basically go out at night and just look for bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, yeah, he they the I'm jumping ahead, but um, he the guys that he went after now he has a new they had to give him motivation to go after people again um so they murder his housekeeper and then they're they're still at the place when him and his daughter get home right 
and his girlfriend too, and they end up um, kidnapping his daughter. Yeah, they take her alive. They don't do it. Yeah, so very (laughs) taken. But uh, he goes looking for her, you know, and it's just gnarly because you're sort of expecting to be just like every movie where he finds her and it's going to be okay. But they take her to like an abandoned warehouse and uh, one guy rapes her and she kind of just lets it happen because like there's no fighting it. And then she, um, when he's done, she quickly gets up and runs and they're chasing after her. And she just jumps through a window, like a second story window, and she gets impaled by a fence. So she dies. Yeah. So, and it's horrible. Yeah. It's not, yeah, not at all uh, pretty. It's so they, they didn't really kill her, but they caused her death, you know. Yeah. And it's gnarly and brutal and gory and gross and sad. Uh, but now, of course, he's really pissed. And he's, he, and, this is 82, so there's no Goldblum, but there's uh, Lawrence Fishburne plays one of them. Yeah. Uh, Morpheus or Cowboy Curtis. Yeah, if, he's one of the thugs. And uh, they, he, he systematically like goes around and tries to find them, and he's finding them one by one mm-hmm. and offing them and taking out the gang. And he's he's sort of reckless about it. He's going into abandoned buildings and follow them all around. And uh, this whole time, there's... You know, his girlfriend's getting suspicious as to why he's not home at night, why they aren't talking. She thinks she did something wrong. To me, it should be very obvious what's going on. If she <laughs> she should know, you know, take take a hint and realize what he's doing. But he changes the locks of the house and, you know, uh, doesn't have her stay over. Doesn't really take her out to dinner anymore because mm-hmm. he's gone every night. He works during the day, then goes to his grimy apartment at night. He has a gun taped under a wardrobe and basically just uses that as a hideout. And she kind of in the movie doesn't seem very sympathetic to what just happened in his life. And, um, she just, she just seems like everything's kind of, I don't know. She just seems chill about it. Kind of like in the first movie where it's like, he seemed pretty chill about it. Um, but so, yeah. So the, it's kind of odd, but yeah, this this one's a little bit more like you said, an action movie. And interesting, interestingly enough, the um, author of the first novel he saw this movie. He didn't. He he did write a sequel to the Death Wish novel, but it was called Death Sentence because he saw what the movie glorified and what people hailed. Uh, hailed him as a hero and they did not he did not like that so he wrote a book called death sentence where uh paul kersey goes to prison for his actions. so it's like i want to tell i want to show people that there's consequences to what he's doing he's not a hero he's not this and he sort of wrote a book that went the opposite direction so when they made a movie sequel they did not follow the book at all they started their own direction and uh it's interesting. I guess the second novel, um, Death Sentence, was later made a movie with Kevin Bacon. I've never seen it, but uh, it's not at all connected to the Death Wish series. So they sort of just took the loose adaptation of the book and made a movie. But the second movie, like I said, uh, the the rights to the film series were picked up by Canon Pictures, 
the Cannon Group, which are notorious for a lot of crazy action and gonzo stupidity. But in tone, this one's not that far from the first. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost a, it's like the same recycled story. They just gave him a new motivation and sent him back out. But he's a little more crazy in this one mm-hmm. and a little more badass. It sort of reminds me of like the Evil Dead series where the first one, Ash, is... A fumbling idiot by the second one he starts to get a little more yeah. confident by the third he's a blowhard so in this second movie he's just sort of a badass one thing that um carried over from the first movie is the cop that or detective that was on to him and um just covered covered up for him um he's back in the second one because of you know the similar th- things are happening again and he's like oh i know who's behind this and so he's a lot more engaged this time yeah he's following him all around and uh paul kersey sort of i'm surprised he doesn't catch on quicker eventually he does because he's getting phone calls and stuff like he knows that they're sort of onto him but he's he's tries to be sneaky about it but he's not really is he the same one that tells his girlfriend like yeah this is what your man does and she's like she doesn't want to listen to it yeah i mean i really wouldn't either like you're telling me my my boyfriend just murders thugs all night yeah right (laughs) well the the uh woman that plays his girlfriend in this was actually his wife jill ireland Mm -hmm. and apparently when they were making the first movie the director uh thought that charles bronson would ask for his wife to be Jill Ireland, like played by Jill Ireland, he would actually want his real wife to play. And Charles was like, well, no, I don't want my wife to be raped in a movie. Like, Mm. so don't cast my wife. And they cast someone else. And then in the second movie, he said, okay, cast my wife, but don't let anything happen to her. So nothing happens to her in this movie. She's not interesting. Uh, and apparently they've done 16 movies together over their career, but um, only one Death Wish movie together. Oh. Even though there's five, they did, he, Charles did five Death so Wish movies. So you're saying he gets a new lady in the next movie? I don't know. You'll have to watch and see. What happened? Did they break up? Um, she knows his secret. Yeah, she knows the secret. I'm trying to remember how this one ended too, because I have a bad memory. But I know one by one he's... Oh, I think I remember. One by one he's sort of killing him off. And he yeah. gets gets down to one and he's chasing him through... Like, they're, do, they're like doing some stupid shit like breakdancing in the middle of the <laughs> downtown. And they're wearing ridiculous 80s like sunglasses yeah. and gear. They're not at all scary. Uh, and he's watching from a distance and he follows them. And then the detective is following him. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get to this point where there's like a big drug deal going down. And they're the, hiding... Oh, the drug dealer's outfit is... Oh, it's like rainbow suspenders and just <laughs> very flamboyant. Yeah. But he's supposed to be a, a badass drug dealer. A badass and, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't if you don't want to bring attention to yourself, wear this stuff. But um, he, yeah, he, he's hiding in the woods and he's watching this drug bus go down and he's got an opportunity. He's like, I can kill all the bad guys. And he does not realize the detective has followed him also and is sitting in the woods also watching watching him watch them. And, of course, the cover gets blown and shit goes down and everybody starts shooting. And uh, But the detective saved him because they almost they almost found found him. Um, um, oh, my God. I'm already forgetting the lead. The lead, the Paul, lead. Paul yes, Percy. yes. They almost 
spotted him and he like made a noise to um you know grab their attention and have them shoot at him right he he, so uh, he kind of he took the bullet for took him. the bullet yeah um and that was the end of him yeah it's like he this whole time he's trying to catch him but he knows he still feels conflicted because he knows that he's doing yeah. a good thing, I guess you could say. he's. It's not a legal thing, but he's he has, he's saving, you know. He, he's just he's just uh, mad that he's doing a better job than the cops. <laughs> Basically. Which, you know, it's, it's the same story as Batman. Like you yeah. said, uh, the, you know, commissioner stuff. The commissioner lets it happen, but the police and stuff are after him because he's making him look bad. And, yeah. Uh, cops ain't shit. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, the detective ends up getting killed for it. And then his girlfriend's like, Oh, did you see like he died and it's in the news. And, uh, I'm doing a really bad job describing this cause I don't remember how it actually yeah. ends at the very end, but that's sort of the climax of the, the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, his, his daughter dies in this one. So it's like, I don't know what they're going to kill in the third one. I don't want to spoil anything, yeah. but, uh, he has to have some kind of motivation, but, but did it seem like he was some like he pretty much stopped for a long time, like going out and you know doing street justice? And this what happened to his daughter, um, like motivated him to get back to it, or was he always kind of like? I assume he was. He had stopped doing that. I mean, yeah. He he. I forget. He was buying something really stupid at, in the street market, and he's like. I'm going to buy cotton candy or something. Yeah. And he bought his daughter like a glass bird or something at a table. It was a cat. A, bl- a glass cat. And yeah. He sort of uh, carries that with him. nice it's just yeah it's horrible that you know they rape and murder his daughter in the worst way but this trouble finds him but yeah. they're, they're fucking with the wrong guy yeah and uh but in the first movie he never found the guys that murder no and he really doesn't go after them no like in the first movie that happens and then he's not even really targeting the people who did who went Mm -hmm. after his wife and daughter he's just going after people he's not even really going after them he's out there just waiting like bait just waiting out there as bait for someone to try to fuck with them like fuck with me and find out and this the the second one is like he's finding there's like a there was like five people in this gang or something five or six and he he gets them yeah and he's going after other people too like that scene people actually sees as he goes well let's say correct I correct myself because there's a scene where he sneaks into that abandoned building and there's some shit going down and uh, there's uh, several people sort of doing, I think they have his daughter and they're, they're uh, doing some kind of deal and he lets all of them run except for the one guy that was involved. Hmm. And it, no, it wasn't his, his daughter wasn't there, but they're doing some kind of, he followed one of the guys he recognized because he has like some fucking stupid Mohawk or something. Each, each gang member has some ridiculous hair and, yeah stuff he wears so they're instantly recognizable and uh he lets all the others go and he's like nope not you you have to stay behind and you know ends up killing him 
You and you out, not you. another woman from i assume her husband and put her in a van and they like start trying to rape her and he uh happens to be the right place at the right time and saves um both of them but this like gang is just finding women to rape it's like the worst gang yeah these guys it seems like they don't have anything to do like no they are breakdancing <laughs> in the park because that's what bad guys do and they just hang out in bad spots and it's like maybe i assume they're probably dealing drugs and yeah guns they're doing and, drugs and raping women at you know whenever possible it's like they're just 100 percent trying to be their, their worst selves all the time but also having fun while in breakdancing. So, you know, they're not all, you know, business. Yeah, they have their fun, too. And I guess that whatever gets the rocks off. I mean. Oh, yeah. But they, they do whatever they want yeah. to whoever they want. And interestingly enough, um, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin wrote the entire score. He the hmm. guitar player and one of the founding members. But he apparently was hired for it and had a write and record the whole score within like a week or something um and like i said this one's a little this one's pretty much an action movie where the first one's like a character drama um but i found uh, some more interesting trivia i found on imdb uh upon theatrical release it was marketed with roman numerals to signify the number two like death wish ii but uh in time it's modern dvd releases tend to show the number two of the title and uh, from there on, like Death Wish 3, 4, and 5, they just use the regular numbers, not the Roman numerals, because uh, they thought, like Canon Films thought, they actually did like a survey, and they thought that, found out that people don't know how to read Roman numerals. They're oh. like, like, like over 50% of the people that they surveyed beyond 3 did not know how to read Roman that's numerals. That's shocking. Like, that's... Even, like, just the first few numbers. But I guess for what I'm reading, too, they says that I found that nearly half the U.S. population cannot read Roman numerals. But for the fifth film, Death Wish 5, The Face of Death, they reverted to use Roman numerals again. I don't know why. Maybe people caught on. <laughs> or people just stopped caring. Like, I know a lot of yeah. horror franchises stop putting the number in the title it's just like friday the 13th the final chapter friday the 13th it's like it's just know. weird because when i think back to like older like films or tv shows like even like 1950s and stuff there's roman noodle they're all over the place for um like the credits and stuff yeah but people got stupid again yeah like i guess so yeah the opening credits to old movies always have the year and all roman numerals mm -hmm. 
And yeah. I'm not good at reading them. I mean, I can do, you know, up to a certain number. I try to learn the big numbers before, and I, I forgot it because I think you don't it was, see them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was one of the <laughs> things we learned briefly in like elementary yes. or middle school or something like cursive, and you just sort of yeah. don't ever end up using it. But um, it's also Death Wish Two is one of the few films that Roger critic Roger Ebert gave zero stars to. Ooh. A, a rating that he famously reserved for films he found artistically inept and morally repugnant. He especially disliked Death Wish 2 for being just a series of dumb killings, underwritten and desperately underplotted, so its witless action scenes alternate with lobotomized dialogue passages. So he hated this one. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'll add a quick review on the end of here from uh, the audio from the YouTube, but he's infamous for hating sort of uh horror and sort of dumb action movies and i mean that's sort of his job but uh he's he's gotten some of them wrong like he in my opinion i guess but um he's famously gone after some really classic horror movies that people love and uh that's just how he sort of was you know he's sort of an old cranky man that didn't really get it yeah but i feel like the second one it's a little bit more shallow than the first one. I, th- I think that's because there's like, there's not much character development and it's it, like kind of what he said is just kind of, um, you know, th- you, they gave him a motive and it's just like, let's watch him kill these yeah, guys. Let's, yeah. It's like, he's more of just like a, he's not so much as a vigilante anymore. He, now he's almost like a murderer. He's just out mm-hmm. killing people. I mean, he's killing the bad guys still, but yeah. Uh, and I, I, celebrated more and but yeah like i said what's different from the first and second one is like um he has like specific people he's going after so that's kind of makes i don't know makes more sense than the first one it's just like he's like trying just to find trouble and random thugs which he finds in the second one but he's actually after certain gang so what did you think of this one compared to the first one like what was your first impression on death wish 2 um kind of like i said it's a little bit more shallow um still good i'll give it what is the rating one out of five yeah i'll give it a three so it's definitely worth the watch if you've seen the first one i reckon if you if you enjoy the first one you have to see the second one so is that is that good? You seem disappointed. No, no, I think <laughs> no, I think that's that's fair. Um, I'm very excited to see where they go from here for you. If you yeah. enjoy them more or less, because the third one is just absolutely is where it's notorious for going off the rails like crazy. And I think maybe I'll enjoy it in a different way where it's not like because it's just like stupid, action packed, ridiculous scenes which i do enjoy kind of like thoughtless movies like that where it's just like <laughs> just obscene murder scenes <laughs> it's just like let's let's ha- let's be ridiculous <laughs> yeah because there's not as big of a gap i think uh death yeah. wish 3 was made in 85 death wish 4 was 87 and then it took a long drop and uh didn't come back with death wish 5 until 94 so they were making these things into the 90s. 
And then he's obviously old. Oh yeah, yeah. You think about that, and I guess but he's look probably looked just the same. He actually they like lighten his hair and make him try to look younger in the later movies. Um, and how did that look? You'll see. <laughs> you'll, okay, you'll get there. But um, I guess, and this is sort of a, it's not really a spoiler because it doesn't really pertain to the story. But there's a point in the maybe fourth movie where they show his id or something and people did the math and uh if if it was in if you do the math and years and stuff he was supposed to be like maybe like 39 or 40 in the first movie okay even though he was like in his 50s yeah no way like he looked good but not 39 (laughs) and it's weird how you know like action stars over the times are portrayed like at the time he was probably like considered like super sexy and uh you know women loved him Mm -hmm. and at the time and it was like oh charles bronson and you know he's an attractive dude in that sort of macho way but um you look at what it it morphed into in the 80s with arnold he became like the very sort of the very first like balls to the wall act just action star he was bred to make action movies he could barely speak english but had the shiny muscles he's a bodybuilder yeah. it didn't matter that his accent was ridiculous and uh then it became you know stallone versus schwarzenegger uh who could have the biggest stunts the biggest muscles uh charles bronson sort of represented <clears throat> a different era where you believe that everyday guys could do this. Like yeah. he, he wasn't muscular. He had that tough dad sort of thing. Is the first one even consider an action movie? Um, sort of, but more of like a adult drama. I was going to say the first one feels more like a drama and the second one starts to feel like action. And Canon really ramps it up in the third one. It becomes, like I said, uh, in that they're, by the third one, they're sort of, competing it's 85 so they're starting to compete with uh the action stars of that day so it's like you know terminator and uh rambo and that kind of stuff and the movies have changed so they sort of adjust to that but it's just ridiculous Mm -hmm. so i'm excited to watch the next two yeah yeah see how uh, see how much uh crazier it can get and then yeah and then they remade it a few years ago the original movie with uh eli roth directing and bruce willis phoning it in phoning it huh yeah it's a term phoning it in like uh does that mean it means like he's barely acting like he just is there for the paycheck he's oh so it's is it a bad movie it is very bad oh i did not i and eli roth directed it yeah oh well that's disappointing he sort of, yeah, I mean, he makes dumb, mindless movies, and I'm not sure why they remade it and why Bruce Willis did it, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to watch that one, too. Yes. Because if we do them in twos, we do one, two, three, and four, then five in the remake. All right, I'm down for that. Okay, well, um, I'm glad that we have our first episode yeah. here of first time Yeah. with my first wife. My first, your first wife? And my, and my favorite wife, but, um... <laughs> We'll be back. I don't know when we'll we'll That's get foreshadowing shadowing something. <laughs> but I don't I don't know when we'll come back and do the next one. But um, you know, hopefully, not too not too long. Yes. And uh, yeah, we'll be back yeah. with uh, Death Wish three and four eventually. 
And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Mm, thanks for having me, sweetie. And uh, <laughs> hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Hopefully, this will be up on Spotify and Apple Music and or Apple or uh, yeah, podcasts. You know, all those places. Yeah, I listen to it my podcast on Spotify, but um, wherever you listen to your podcast, hopefully this will be up on there. And I'm hoping to get a few episodes in the can and get them released here shortly. So. Again, mm-hmm. thanks for coming on. Thanks for putting up with my shit. Thanks for watching dumb movies with me. Of course, anytime. That's pretty much the whole foundation of our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you for listening. Um, we'll see you next time on the First Time Podcast. Bye-bye. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening